Hi, everybody. This is Dan Walker. Welcome to another edition of U.S. Law Radio. Running a law firm, as many U.S. law members are well aware, can be a costly proposition. And as with most things, prices aren't going down, quite the opposite. That's why the subject of law firm cost containment is one that's garnering a lot of attention lately. U.S. law member Neil Goldberg is a founding partner in the firm Goldberg Segala in upstate New York and joins us now to share some ideas on running a fiscally leaner, meaner law firm. Neil, great to have you here on U.S. Law Radio. Hi, how are you? Neil, it's certainly no deep, dark secret that the cost of doing business can very easily spin out of control, unless we're proactive and keep an eye on things. You set a great example for keeping expenses under control. Can you set the table for us? Yes, our firm has grown from seven attorneys in 2001 when we started the firm to 125 attorneys today. And in order to achieve that rigorous growth, we've had to scrutinize in a very acute way various ways of containing costs so that we can operate at the highest level of efficiency. In that regard, two areas in particular where we found rigorous cost containment to be particularly helpful without any minimization of our efficiency, effectiveness, or success with our clients. Okay, well, we're ready to take some notes and hopefully start saving some money. Where do we start? Well, the first relates to internal overhead costs, particularly the cost associated with staff. And the second relates to some marketing initiatives that we've developed that we are confident give us the maximum bang for the buck, so to speak, without in any way limiting the effectiveness of our marketing initiatives. One of the largest costs, then, that we confront in a law firm today is staff overhead. There is probably no U.S. law firm or other law firm that doesn't cost on their budgets and financials staff. With increasing health care costs, etc., staff has become a larger and larger part of the cost structure of firms. So we have worked very hard to progressively increase the number of attorneys that are covered by one secretary so that at the end of the day, we can continue our growth but decelerate the cost associated with that growth. And we've been able to achieve a two-plus-to-one ratio. I've very frankly, as part of this process, talked with many managers of law firms. Everybody talks about that as a goal. The problem is that people haven't talked about the vehicles that can be used to actually accomplish it without minimizing or undermining efficiency and effectiveness. So I wanted to share with everybody two approaches that we took. Well, we're dying to hear this, Neil, because if you're going to spread one secretary over two or three attorneys, you must have a few tricks up your sleeve. Well, you see, one of the vehicles that we've used to make this possible is Dragon voice-activated technology. The way Dragon works, and many people may not be familiar with it, is that you basically have the ability to dictate your correspondence into your computer, which recognizes your voice and prints out the emails. So as just one example, I recently, with a client, very frankly, we wanted to impress, took two depositions with the client present. After the depositions, I returned to the office at 6. I dictated up a seven-page summary of the depositions, printed it out, edited it, didn't need a secretary to do any of that. The next morning, my secretary spent 15 minutes doing the edits, 
sent it out, and by the time the client arrived at their office on their return trip from Buffalo, they had the summary. I received a call from that client, incredulous and complimenting at the same time, saying, this is the kind of zealous representation that we want. And that's why I say that some of these technological tools can enhance your relationship with your clients and enhance efficiency rather than undermine efficiency. And yet at the same time, when you reduce the number of staff you have for firms with a population of 50 to 100 plus attorneys, as an example, you could be talking about a sea change of cost structure of hundreds of thousands of dollars in our case. Another way that we have accomplished this is by capitalizing on one of the phenomena of the present generation of lawyers, much more computer adept, faster typers than any of us older guys, and consequently we've asked them to put in their own time charges rather than expect their secretaries to do it. What we've learned in the process, Dan, is that it doesn't undermine their productivity they actually capture more of their time because they're doing it simultaneously with the task and we're reducing the burden on the staff so that they're doing what an attorney simply can't do efficiently. So those simple two tools on the premise that less is more can create a sea change in the cost structure of the firm. You're certainly dialed into cost containment people-wise, Neil. A couple of great ideas. Now, you mentioned that you've discovered a great way to save money in the marketing arena. Yes. You know, many law firm leaders today come from a generation where the mentality was that a law firm should routinely be paying for some firm memberships of the attorneys in the firm. We did a retrospective over a number of years and discovered that Paying for mere membership is not constructive to the well-being of the core structure of the organization and doesn't enhance the credibility of the attorney involved just by virtue of being a membership of a bar association, as an example. What we have done then is develop the culture in the firm where attorneys only seek to become members of an organization if they're prepared to become actively involved and engaged in the organization. What you capitalize on in this regard is what I call the 20% rule. I didn't make that up. It's talked about in many management books that 20% of the people often in any organization do 80% of the work. So in every firm, we have dynamos, cruisers, and unfortunately, sometimes losers. The dynamic people are the people more and more that we're seeking to invest in, and we are trying to mentor our 80 percenters to move into the 20 percent bracket by becoming actively engaged in organizations. But we expect to hold them accountable and they anticipate being held accountable to become actively involved, to network, to develop relationships with the people that they deal with in these organizations so that at the end of the day, it's a win-win for them and for the firm. What else do you practice under the umbrella of marketing cost containment? Well, we have a plan for each attorney. Many organizations don't use a format that we subscribe to, but basically our format is premised on one fundamental assumption. And the fundamental assumption is that if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. But if you can measure it, it can, in the long run, create good for the organization as a whole. So consequently, we are asking for action items from each attorney engaged in an organization. We're asking for reports periodically on the results 
of the fruition of those action items. And we are assessing on a case-by-case basis whether those action items are effective in helping that attorney and the firm achieve the designated goals. By doing that, we keep everybody disciplined and focused. You know, sometimes we get young attorneys who end up marketing for marketing's sake. They aren't following up. They aren't pursuing opportunities thoroughly. They're just creating contacts. We're trying to create a sea change that is extremely disciplined and focused. And history teaches us that the rainmakers in firms are those people who have systematically, in a disciplined way, followed up with prospective clients and serviced to the hilt existing clients to engage them, to cultivate them, and to eventually maximize the business they're getting from those clients. So that's the philosophy we are subscribing to that we're recommending. And I think if I were going to bottom line it, I would say that it's service, 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 and asking prospective clients not what they can do for you in the first instance, but suggesting ways that you may be able to be helpful to them. We shouldn't expect to receive if we don't give first. Certainly an important best practice in business. Neil, any last words of advice for us in our efforts to contain costs? Well, the only thing I would say is that we are all in a very, very challenging economic environment. And unless we appreciate that denial is not just a river in Egypt, but it's a psychological state that we all have to overcome, we are going to have the course catch up with us much more quickly than had previously been the situation. Clients are more resistant to rate increases, as just one example. Alternate billing, another example, that is eroding potential profitability of firms. So this issue is an issue that is worth every manager's time to address in a proactive way for the betterment of the firm's health and well-being and vibrance in the future. Neil Goldberg, we're so glad you could spend a few minutes sharing your ideas. Thanks for joining us here on U.S. Law Radio. My privilege. That's it, folks. We're out of time. U.S. Law Radio is produced by Roger Yaffe. Send your comments and show ideas his way because he loves to hear from you. This edition of U.S. Law Radio has been brought to you by SCA Limited, forensic engineering and origin cause experts working nationwide since 1970, and by Ringler Associates, Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided injured parties and their attorneys with the finest structured settlement services. This is Dan Walker. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch up with you again next time for another fresh edition of U.S. Law Radio.